journalers. This is Catherine Druckmann with Doc Searles again. This is our second episode of our cool new podcast. <laughs> and we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about privacy this time. Uh, last time we touched on a few things, but, but this time we kind of want to talk a little bit more about some specific aspects that affect us all as consumers. And Doc, I think people tend to focus on things like hacking, identity theft, um, and that yeah. sort of thing when they think about da data privacy. You know, we've all seen the Facebook things that go around saying you're being hacked, you know, on a weekly basis. Um, but I think a lot, a lot of people don't necessarily think about the more mundane applications of, you know, of this technology like um, ad tracking and the things that affect a lot of people every day as consumers. And I'm, I'm wondering, what's the real danger? We talked a little bit about, a little bit about harm last week, and I wondered if you could expand on that a little bit. Yeah, I, well, there's, there's a lot of, you know, boiling frog aspects to this, and there's so many ways that we're being boiled that it's hard to uh, pin anyone down and, and make a sort of generalized conclusion from it. Um, but I, I think it, it might be worth looking at kind of the both sides issue with Amazon. Uh, so in this month's Linux Journal, we have a piece that I wrote called, Shall We Study Amazon's Pricing Together? Uh, and that's actually focusing just on Amazon's pricing. And, and what I noticed when I was at a, a business analytics meeting uh, this summer uh, in rural Oregon with these really super bright people who are big deals in in the basically the big big business data analytics practice. Um, in the midst of that, I, I actually was driving to my bed and my BNB, my my uh, Airbnb, uh, listening to public radio and like the one station that came in <laughs> there was the only station I could get at all, I think. And it was actually about the same thing. It was it was about uh, randomized testing by Amazon. And what it said was that there isn't what the person speaking said was there is not a single pixel on Amazon that hasn't been informed by randomized testing. In other words, we're being tested at all times as Amazon customers. We are um, laboratory rats in what they're doing. Now, obviously, they have more respect for us than they would for a rat because we're paying them. Um, but to a large degree, we're a captive market. Um, there isn't a, a company in the world that is bigger in data analytics than they are. They're much more direct with us and much more feet on the ground, say, than a Google or a Facebook are because we are their customers. We actually pay them for stuff. Um, there's a level of trust between us and them that you can only get with a paying customer kind of relationship. We don't have that relationship with Google or Facebook because we're not paying them. We're the product that they sell to their advertisers, uh, whereas we're not in quite the same way with Amazon. But I want to bring up advertising there because Amazon's pro uh, profits have gone up in the last few months. And I don't have the data in front of me, but it's substantial. Um, from hair thin to actually getting kind of fat um, by being an advertising company, by playing in the same game as Google and Facebook do. But with their data informed by our actual purchases, by what we are actually doing on their website when we look for products, by 
by participating much more actively than we do when we're at Google um, or Amazon or just on a site not a, or, or, or Facebook or just on a site that's tracking us in order to give us targeted advertising um, uh, when the tracking systems are Facebook's or, or Google's or any one of the thousand or more um, other companies that are in that business where we're not paying, but we are paying Amazon. And what my article was about was how Amazon's pricing varies by what browser you're using, what computer you're using. It's not clear. You don't get a clear signal from Amazon of what they're basing their pricing on, and it varies a great deal. Um, and I think most of us aren't aware of that. We're also not aware of the degree to which data about us is used to inform the advertising we see elsewhere because all those elsewheres are using Amazon's back-end advertising system to give us ads that they think might be relevant or that Amazon thinks might be relevant because they're following us around as customers. We have not given them explicit permission to do this. I think we have given them explicit enough or at least implicitly explicit enough permission to give us customized whatever when we're on their website and we're buying their stuff and there is a degree of trust in there. Um, but on the advertising side, I don't think we've done that. So, and my own experience with this is really kind of old now, but worth bringing up. Um, and I'll just go into that for a second, which is a couple of years ago. And I think I wrote about this in Linux Journal also. Um, I, I had a broken speaker. It was one of those little portable speakers that was made by JBL. Um, uh, it croaked uh, one June, and um, I wanted another one. I went on Amazon. I looked at the JBL. I looked at a competing one from Bose. I bought the Bose. And because I had my tracking protection turned off um, on the browser I was using, for the next 10 or 15 places I went, I saw ads from Amazon for both of those things, for both the JBL and the Bose. Hey, Mr. Customer, please buy these, one of these. And that meant I was a qualified lead for them, for those companies. It meant that JBL and Bose had paid Amazon to show me those ads. Um, now, maybe I don't know what the whole payment system was. Maybe they'd only pay if I actually bought those things. Maybe it was retroactive. I have no idea. What I do know is that they were really annoying. They were a value subtract for those companies. Um, and quite possibly they involved cheating on Amazon's part in this sense. And this is somebody in the ad tech business that told me this later, which is that JBL and Bose paid Amazon to show ads to qualified leads. And what Amazon was doing in their system was labeling me as a qualified lead, even though I was no longer qualified because I had been a customer. I was never going to buy the JBL. I had already bought the Bose. Now, whether Amazon's still doing this more than two years later, I don't know. But it really was kind of creepy at the time and, and expressed to me whether this is true or not a kind of dishonesty. And that business, that advertising business, is full of dishonesties. And I don't know how many Amazon has picked up on. What I do know is that Amazon is such a monstrous part of our lives now 
most of us in so many ways. I mean, it has eaten out the inside of retailing to a gigantic degree. Uh, the, the main street in Santa Barbara, State Street, is mostly empty right now. The most common sign on stores is for lease. Um, that's Amazon's doing. And the old, um, I think it was one of the big retailers. It wasn't Macy's. It was one of the other ones. Um, Saks Fifth Avenue, I think. Uh, the word is now that that's going to be a giant Amazon store. Wow. So, so Amazon has kind of eaten out all of the other retailers from the inside. And, and through brilliant data analytics and all the rest of it, gaining our trust, all of it, they've managed to become the retailer of choice for most of us. But there's some Faustian bargains we've made in there that are implicit, not really clear, that really need to be explored. And what I did with that particular piece was invited Linux Journal readers to help us from the outside figure out what the hell is it that Amazon's doing with pricing. Um, we may never know, but I think it needs to be studied. I think this is a really important thing to study at this moment in history, especially as Amazon is taking liberties with our data to advertise at us when we're not on their site. Um, and how are they doing that? I don't know. I, and But anyway, I think it's a, a really important topic to explore. Well, I, I would say this, actually. So without calling out any of these specific websites, there have been in the past websites devoted to tracking Amazon's pricing because it is yes. so variable and subjective. And we've featured them on Linux Journal before, actually, if you dig through. Yeah, but, there's one I, I, I got a note from... I'm trying to think of the name of it. There's a company called something, something, something. Um, well, at least one or more of these sites have been shut down by Amazon because Amazon decided that they were no longer allowed to link to their API and um, and shut them down. Yeah. <laughs> so that, you know, that in and of itself is interesting. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I Yeah, I mean, camel, camel, camel. That's it. Camel, camel, camel .com. It's in the comments under the piece. Um, you know, and of course I'm, I'm going there now and it says, we value your privacy powered by Quantcast. Quantcast is one of the biggest buying companies. Yes. There you go. I mean, I, and Quantcast may come on and say, no, no, we really don't spy or something like that, but they're, they're one of them. Um, and let me see, I'll take a screenshot of that. Um, and the thing is by the GDPR, you know, they have this gigantic thing I accept. You know, this, I'm just jumping, you know, from one thing to another here, but it's really all part of it. The, I'll just unpack what they say. I mean, I want to see this camera. Let's say I want to, I'm listening to this podcast. I want to participate in understanding what this is. Um, I go to Camel, Camel, Camel. They follow Amazon pricing. It says the quality content and information we provide you depends on the revenue we generate from advertising. Right there, you know. But the revenue they generate from advertising is from spying on you, making right. it personal. Or, or affiliate links. It's, it's likely. It could be that, too, I, I, I suppose. I, I don't see the distinction well, there, but I know there is one. Um, we in our, Because you can't, at this level, you can't tell one from the other. We and our partners use your personal data. There, they even say it right here. In order to serve personalized advertising, measure activity on the site, and deliver personalized feature and content to you, click below to consent. Now, the 
GDPR says, you don't have to do that. You don't have to click that. In fact, that is a violation of the spirit of the GDPR. And by the way, I heard yesterday on a tweet that the e-privacy law that's coming along in the EU that was going to be tougher than the GDPR um, in draft is being watered down to allow exactly this kind of shit. Um, but I'm going to click off of that. It, it, it's basically a, a consent wall that's put up there. Um, and I have no choice but to accept it, uh, which, uh, or I can click on show purposes. We, val we value your privacy. Accept all. Let me take a screenshot of that. You can set your preferences. Personalization, measurement, required. One, they're both required. This is the IAB Europe's approach, I believe. And it so freaking sucks. It makes people think, this is what I need to do in order to get privacy. When, in fact, I can hit on that reject all, which I will. I'll reject all. And let's see what happens. I hit reject all. Let's see if it allows anything to happen. It doesn't. Maybe if I hit save and exit now, after I reject all, it disappears. But I don't have a feedback that says I got, you know, whatever it is. Okay, now the page, camelcamelcamel.com, is one gigantic confusion. Your price watch is popular products, top price drops. It's all about price watching. Yes. Yeah, and I don't know if that's, I mean, I don't see, oh, Amazon price history charts, over 18 million Amazon products. So, I mean, they're playing in the same game, and it's so hard to figure out that game. It's kind of like, well, it's, it's unwinnable. Like, <laughs> it's like well, it's, it is unwinnable. I mean, it's it's they're saying, you know, we're, you know, it's it's like trying to study the tide. You know, not even the tides. It's like trying to study the moon by surfing on one location, you know, and and watching the tides without a chart. You're just in the water. You don't know what's going on. You can, well, wait a minute, the tide's higher now. What happened? Is that a swell coming in? I don't know. And it's all very obscurantist. It's made to be confusing on purpose so they can continue doing what they're doing and they rationalize it. And, of course, everybody seems to go along with it. Oh, I know, I'm being very so, long-winded about this, but go ahead. Sorry. Well, so, so let's get back to something that you mentioned. You, know, you mentioned Amazon is taking over um, the, you know, meat space, as we, we like to call it, and <laughs> taking over sort of Main Street shopping and, and God forbid, a Saks Fifth Avenue. <laughs> yeah. And, and I wanted to mention something that we talked about earlier. Um, the Tor Project tweeted out a link to, a, to an article the other day. Um, Tor Project on Twitter, a lot of good information mm. there. Um, it, it, it was about a patent that... Walmart has filed to track temperature, pulse, speed, the force at which someone grips the handle of a shopping cart in in stores, in, in real life. <laughs> so yeah. this same sort of tracking, you know, going coming out of our computer and into our shopping cart. And I wonder, you know, when we're talking about somebody like Amazon and the failure of other other companies to compete, I mean, is this something that Walmart feels they must do in order to compete? Now, now the, the article that they link to, you know, goes on to talk about how it's 
And I, I mean, yeah. I, I can't, I can barely get this out without laughing, but the suggestion is that it's used to ident- help identify shoppers in distress. <laughs> well, it could, it could be just, yeah. I mean, it could be, but I, I can't it could imagine. Be used for anything, but but it, 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 there's oh, there's so many things going on there. It's hard to know where to start. But the um, the you know in, in technology, what can be done will be done. We will, and by we I mean in the largest sense, everybody who's in technology will do whatever we can with technology until we find out what's really wrong about it and then we'll stop doing that thing and my best example of that is nuclear power you know when it first came along oh my god it's too too cheap to meter and we should just have nuclear power everywhere never mind all the negative externalities that you have plutonium that decays takes forever to decay and and you don't know where to put it and that um it turns out to be expensive and you can have accidents like chernobyl and of course there was you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, and, we, and we've never done that again, right? We have never had another nuclear war, um, war in which nuclear weapons were used, and for good reasons. And, and I think we're sort of at that moment with, with this. I mean, what can be done is that you can spy on people a zillion different ways, and that they can get a patent for that is, is certainly a doable thing. Um, uh, I mean, it might, remember companies like, I mean, I used to work for Hitachi Semiconductor. They put, they created, this is in the early 90s, something like 5,000 or 10,000 different patents every year in the U.S. alone. So, I mean, lots and lots of patents are issued for all kinds of things that never actually get made. Um, uh, and and so the, 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 it, it, it's wrong to assume that because a patent is issued that the company actually plans to do whatever that is. That said, that is a really creepy prospect. One can reply, one can respond to one of two ways. One is to raise the middle finger at Amazon. I mean, at Amazon, we could do that too if you want, but to, to, um, uh, to, to Walmart um, for doing that um, and, and for even thinking about spying on customers that way. Uh, um, another is to assume they're never, they're just not going to do it and who cares another is to say great follow me you know i i you know i i just can't wait to you know i mean it'll be really great if i have a heart attack while i'm while i'm pushing a cart around your store and 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 you help me out if that's what their excuse for it is um but to me the the most important thing we can do is is zero based the way we look at that which is to say wait a minute i have my privacy my privacy is my personal space. My personal space includes whatever body heat that I and that I I I possess in my surroundings. Um, it includes the private spaces inside my hands. Uh, I am not I am not your test subject. I am not your rat. I am an independent being, and you can follow me at my grace. And it's not I am not your puppet. Um, you know, or as I. You know, I mean, I think I, I think last month or the month before, I had a piece on in in Linux Journal on you know where the cover image was you know a sign that said you know you are an AI's pet. Um, I'm not your pet, uh, and you can't follow me around. And uh, but here, but but I would have terms that come with me and are on my mobile device that inform Amazon. Inform it could be the Amazon store. It could be anywhere. But we. We walk into a store wearing clothing. Clothing sends a message. That message says, you don't reach inside here. 
You, you, you don't, you do not grab my, you know, my pants or my bra strap because you think you can do me some good. No, you don't do that, right? In a similar way, we should be able to issue terms that get, re that get respected and recorded somewhere. We have the technology for this. We have distributed ledgers. We have blockchains. We have servers. I can have a server of my own that records all of the agreements that accumulate. There's no, there's nothing in the design of the internet that says you can't, you can't be the first party here. You can't be the one that issues the terms that others agree to. Um, uh, my wife and collaborator Joyce, who's on our staff here too at Linux Journal, uh, doing special projects, she said in 1995 when e-commerce first came along and Amazon and eBay were born and e-commerce first started showing up, she issued one of the most insightful questions that are still unanswered that I have ever heard, which is, why can't I take my shopping cart from one site to another? This presumed that there ought to be such a thing, but we immediately started building out the web in a client-server way that says, no, you need a separate shopping cart everywhere you go. And in fact, that's what we have in the physical world. Your Kroger shopping cart is not your Walmart shopping cart, is not your ShopRite, you know, or your Albertsons shopping cart. Um, not that one wouldn't work in another place, but but those have been proprietary things. They shouldn't be. I mean, frankly, you as a shopper have should have sovereignty and agency over your personal space and how you interact with that store, and that needs to be standardized. And that can only be done from the customer side. It can only be done from the individual side, and we need the tools for that, and we have that with Customer Commons. My response to that, or our response to that, at Customer Commons, um, uh, I tweeted back to the one that you sent me, was, you know, was a tweet that said, um, I have to stretch my browser here. This is why we need terms of our own, ones that say, hi, Walmart, have your machine sign, sign agree to my TOS, that is terms of shopping. And this is totally doable. We have a way of doing that with with uh, with customer comments. We can have two terms that live at customer comments. They can be pointed to by our own mobile devices when we walk into a store. Um, there could be interactivities that happen in standardized ways between retail locations and customers where those retailers obey the customer's terms of engagement in a standardized way. Clothing is standard. You know, shoes are standard. You know, I mean, these are all standard things that we have in the physical world. And the physical world model should work for us here. Um, and so we're, we have those, we're building those terms there. And also, I should and the uh, not uh, less than about a year ago, we were approached. We customer comments were approached um, by the IEEE um, to to come up with a standard for machine readability of, of terms that customers issue, that individuals issue, and we have one. It's uh, it's it's um, uh, it's IEEE's Working Group Seven Zero One Two. And it's a standard that identifies and addresses the manner in which, and I'm reading from it here, personal privacy terms are proffered and how they can be read and agreed to my machines. And that's under the sponsor committee, uh, social implications for technology standards. And, uh, and it's, and that's, 
this this is in the works. We have a working group already, and um, and I'll read the longer version of that. The purpose of the standard is to provide individuals the means to proffer their own terms respecting personal privacy in ways that can be read, acknowledged, and agreed to by machines operated by others in the networked world. In a more formal sense, the purpose of the standard is to enable individuals to operate as first parties in agreements with others, mostly companies operating as second parties. Um, and that's, this is doable, we can do it. So this is like my verbal introdu- appeal to anybody listening to this podcast to jump on board and help us out with that. And I should add, one place we can do that um, is at the Internet Identity Workshop, which is happening later this month. Go to iiworkshop.org. We're going to have our 27th of those. There's still some openings there. It's a cheap conference uh, for um, as things those things go. It's an unconference. We all everybody who comes chooses their term their 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 topics. Uh, sponsors, which do include the Google's and Microsoft's, the world only buy food, and the, they leave their logos at the door. And mostly, it's techies that come anyway. It's not there's no PR at all. So anyway, that sounds great. Well, I think I think we we're we're continuing the conversation <laughs> in productive ways. I think maybe next time we'll uh, dig a little deeper and think about how think about how we can once we have these protocols established. How how do we as consumers demand that they be implemented? So so stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 key, a key thing there, Catherine, is that if we demand it only of them. I mean, it's kind of like, imagine, just to bring this back to Linux, okay. Imagine if as users of um, DOS and Apple's OS at the time and all the proprietary Unixes of the 1980s, if we demanded of Sun Microsystems and Mentor Graphics and HP and IBM that they come up with the open source operating system we needed, it wouldn't have happened. Oh, absolutely not. So... And so that's what we're talking about here. We have to come up with our own standards here. And we can do it. And we can come up, come up with our own code. Ain't that hard. I think we can do it. So anybody who wants to help with that, let us know. Cool. Well, until next time. 